this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. What a night it was in Toronto as 104 future NLL prospects heard their name calls. Pat and I will break down the first round and talk about the epicness that is Sean Evans' career in the Man Club. Plus, we get some breaking news as Alex Bouquet changes team. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast, our last one before we take a bit of a break. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. You can find me at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB podcast, uh, OTCB underscore podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, how's things, buddy? Uh, saw you a few days ago at the draft. Which was lovely, which was very lovely to see you in person again. Um, but it was awesome. The, the, the draft was, I thought it was amazing to be back in person in Toronto at the historic Carlu. Uh, the venue was great. I thought, obviously, with a couple of hiccups uh, mm-hmm. technically, I thought the broadcast went way faster than we thought it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which kind of just goes to show not that much chaos happened and kudos to the GMs for kind of knowing their guys and who they wanted. Uh, but all in all, an absolute honor. Uh, it was my second draft on the broadcast, first one in person, and I loved every second of it. Uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the draft broadcast was kind of put together in a bit of a rush, even though they always were going to do something, but just how everything came about. Um, so I think maybe in the future, and you and I discussed this, that one round's just not enough. We should probably stick around for that second round on the broadcast. But after that, then we can just do socials. But um, went way faster than we thought. You know, I th- we, th- we were thinking it was going to be five and a half, six hours, just crested five. Um it was kind of a cool experience because we were right on the stage beside the commissioner when the picks all came up. So we got to look out over everything. So we got to see all the conversations between GMs that were happening. And we got to see the the players as they were getting picked. And it was just a, a really special night. And you saw a lot of the kids walking around in their jerseys all the way to the end. Like Owen Grant was third off the board and 
five hours later, he's still walking around in his jersey, didn't want to take it off. And, <laughs> um, you know, seeing the the dads that picked their sons or the dads that had their sons picked in the draft was a really cool moment. And then seeing the guys that, you know, I, I think of Dale Sundate McCumber, who kind of thought maybe he was going to go a lot higher than he did. And he doesn't get picked until the third round by Georgia. He was still sitting there with his family, still waiting, still crossing his fingers, hoping that he would be picked. And uh, the elation on his face when you heard his name called was just fantastic. And overall, I, I thought it was a great night. We had a ton of fun on the broadcast, uh, a ton of fun with all the NLL people behind the scenes. Um, and it just kind of wraps up 2022, um, the season as a whole. This is kind of the last thing before we move into the offseason, moving into next year uh, in what should be a fantastic season. But let's kind of break down. We won't go too deep in the draft, but um, obviously one and two, McConvey, Watson. Maybe Watson could have been Simons or sorry, Simmons, depending on on how Las Vegas felt. But those two top two we kind of had penciled in. Um, both those guys are going to be absolute standouts. Yeah, and it, it comes as no surprise that – McConvey goes one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was some discussion, as you said, at two, but the bona fide number one was Thomas McConvey. And you said it on the broadcast, and even I think on Coast to Coast leading this up, maybe he doesn't have the cachet that a Jeff T, a Jonathan Donville, one of those guys mm-hmm. that we've seen in the last couple of years have, but uh, don't kid yourself. This is a special talent. This is a guy that is going to be playing in the National Lacrosse League for a long time at a high level. Rochester has a bona fide number one lefty mm. um, on that side. And they've got some great lefties as it is. Um, Holden Katoni, uh, Connor Fields. Like these are guys that now you look at that offense, it's starting to shape up really nicely. They're going to have to wait a year, but he's going to be worth that wait. He's a big body, he's smart, and he's a gamer. I'm excited to see him at the next level. Yeah, I think I, I, when I say there wasn't as much cachet, I think it's just because he didn't play this year, right? Yep. He, and so Donville was coming off a Minto Cup. Uh, um, you know, Jeff T was still playing – for Brampton, you know, not ha- not seeing Thomas McConvey in a couple years playing indoors, I think people kind of forgot about him a little bit. So that's why there wasn't as much hype. But he was always going to be that number one. Watson had an incredible mental run with Orangeville, played great for Coquitlam this year. I think Vancouver fans are going to be real happy with Owen Grant once he gets into the lineup. But Dan Richardson and, and Troy Cordingly had a plan coming into this draft, and it was to get bigger and more physical on the back end. And Owen Grant is a monster of a young man. And kudos to them for maybe muddying up the waters or or drumming up some smoke because you and I talked to multiple GMs. And two weeks before, everyone was like, okay, we think Owen Grant is going three. Like we think, you know, Vancouver has a can't-miss prospect here. They're just going to go best off the board. And then come maybe, what, 48 hours, 24 hours, and even on draft day, you're hearing rumblings that maybe they take someone else. Maybe we heard that, you know, Brett Dobson was possibly on the table. We heard that Zach Deacon was on the table. And sure enough, once the dust settles, they go out, they get a big body, 
a guy that can push the ball in transition, a guy that I went on record multiple times saying that outside of McCombie, he has the highest ceiling. Talking to multiple team personnel and players in this league that have played with him or against him, they say he legitimately has a chance to be a defender of the year candidate at some yeah. point in his career. That is how good of a prospect he is. He might not be a you know a bona fide star right out the gate in year one, but once everything is said and done with these guys' career, if you you kind of put all their accolades and all their what they've been done, or if you do a redraft, there's a lot of people that said you'd have a hard time picking between Grant and McCombie. But yeah. obviously, that's some that's a conversation we're gonna have in about 15, 20 years. Uh, but we'll probably have it in five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. What are you what are we talking about? People are going to have these discussions halfway through their first rookie season. Yeah, oh, yeah maybe, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but hey, that's what drums up excitement and 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 everything, right? Uh, Albany was a team that was may, maybe the busiest pre-draft um, with some of the moves that they made and a lot of the rumors that we are hearing. Um, there was rumblings that they wanted to get a, a second top ten pick. Um, they obviously had some guys in mind. They get Alex Simmons at four. Jason Knox goes to Panther City at five as a lefty forward. Austin Madronic to Saskatchewan at six. Will Johansson to Albany at seven. Zach Deacon, New York at eight. Matthew Goche had the highest stock rise leading up to the draft, goes to Panther City at nine. And then Seth Van Sheppen rounds out the top 10 to Calgary. Um, biggest surprise in the top 10? Hmm, I guess. Austin Madronic, just from our mocks and what we mm -hmm. kind of figured what, the way it was going to go. But you and I know how good of a prospect is. And you and I know that Derek Keenan and this Saskatchewan staff is not afraid to not listen to everyone's mock draft and just mm -hmm. go based off what they think. And they clearly think that that number six spot was the perfect place to take a Madronic. They, we heard that they were potentially going to trade that pick away. Yeah, um, there was talk they were going to go Dobson too. Yeah, so I think they probably were testing out waters to see if they could trade down and still get Madronic, but they just said, you know what, let's not take that risk. Let's go out and get our guy. And yeah. he's a guy that I think is going to fit perfectly in the offense. Outside of that, maybe Deacon falling to eight, but I had him at eight on my big board anyways. Yeah. Goche maybe sneaking into the top 10. Well, I had him going number 10 to Calgary. So there really weren't a ton of surprises in that top 10. Some order here and there, but I think the top 10 prospects outside of obviously, obviously Dobson, who was in 11th, uh, who drafted 11th, I should say, um, but that was more of a situational draft pick because mm -hmm. a lot of those teams ahead kind of already had their goaltending figured out. Uh, Brett Dobson looks to be the, the heir apparent to Mike Poulin as he gets selected 11th overall. Uh, I think you and I both agree, and some others will probably agree with us, in that, yes, um, Craig Wendy is there, but as long as Brett Dobson doesn't have a terrible camp, he should be the number one. I would be shocked. I would be very shocked to see him not be the number one or at least get a, a legitimate chance. Um, Craig Wendy uh, is a, a tremendous uh, goaltender. Um, he's been in this league for a long time, but he has been in this league and have had, had chances to be a number one before, and he hasn't been able to really grasp that opportunity. So 
I, I think it's Dobson's job to lose if he comes in and, and I think he's not quite ready to be that number one. Um, they have a, a solid backup or even a guy that maybe they go 1A, 1B uh, to start out. Uh, but I've, everything I've seen out of his game, uh, everything that I know of him as a, pl- a player, as a teammate from his character, there is no reason why I don't think he's going to be able to make the jump. He might not be a bona fide superstar right away, and he probably won't be. We've seen it in this league. It takes a long time for these goalies to kind of climatize themselves. But I, I look at Orleman in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to have a similar season where it's going to start out a little bit shaky, but by the end of the year, you're going to go like, you know what? This guy's got it figured out. He is going to be a great goaltender. Um, can we do breaking news right in the middle of draft talk? Well, well, I mean, <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> I know this isn't live, so I know we could take time, but we are talking about goaltenders. We just talked about Vancouver. We just talked about Saskatchewan. So why not? Let's, Dive into this breaking news. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, and this is kind of out of the blue. Alex Bouquet. It's the Saskatchewan Rush. And I, here's the thing. I heard rumblings of it last, last night. And really? yes, I won't reveal my sources, but I did hear. And yeah, super shocked uh, on the surface level. We talked about how... There was a lot of uncertainty in that net for Saskatchewan, but they had options. They have, uh, what, how is this? What, five, four, four goalies so under contract now? Uh, Higgins, Bouquet. Sorry, Higgins. Uh, sorry, uh, Penny. Penny, yep. Bouquet. Yep. Dunkerley. Yep. Is shoot under contract? <laughs> he might not be. That is maybe. Because Dubensky is a street. He's nowhere. And Rushka is also street because and he Rushka is also street. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe four, uh, but for sure three. So, anyways, just there's that there. But none of these goalies, you could say Bouquet has the most experience as a starting goaltender, um, but he has been a goaltender that has seen a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Even this year, his stock was through the roof. He was, you know, surprising everyone with how great he started off at the start of the season. And then his play tailed off quite a bit for Vancouver. And we kind of had rumblings that Vancouver was still going to, you know, give him another chance. Um, but I think with the new coaching staff, maybe that chance was, was gone. And he goes to a team that has some familiar familiarity with him. Yeah, um, Derek Keenan coached him, right? Yeah. A lot of those guys have played with him. So, and let's be honest, um, Saskatchewan's defense, uh, pretty, pretty easy. I would, I don't want to say pretty easy, uh, to play behind, but certainly, uh, has proven veterans on that team. And it's a proven system that has showed that you don't need elite goaltending um, to be successful. But we also saw last year, you need at least competent goaltending because what, this is the first time in a billion years we saw them not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say that one of the biggest issues was goaltending and consistent goaltending. Um. Adam Shute was qualified by the rush on July 26th. And then August 1st, they made him a qualifying offer. 
So I guess he's under contract, but not under contract. He's their property. So who knows? But that that is a very, very interesting move, which now leaves Vancouver with Brody Harris, Steve Fryer. Um, who else is Aiden there? Walsh, who, who they picked yeah, up? And Aiden I Walsh. know they're very, very high on him. And for good reason. I think Aiden Walsh, from what we saw this past summer, um, showed flashes of brilliance and he dominated in, in Ontario in the junior ranks. But that's the junior ranks. Yeah. We just yeah, talked yeah. about how, you know, Brett Dobson's one of the highly rated prospects we've seen since Del Bianco. Um, mm-hmm. And even Del Bianco took a little while to find his footing before he became, you know, quote unquote, elite status. So this is, this is, yeah. When I found out about it last uh, night, it, 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 it blew my, sorry, go ahead. Or, no, no. Um, it does look like shoot is under contract according to our depth charts. And Vancouver now has Friar, Walsh, Harris, and Mateo Mack. Okay. Well, again, both those goaltending situations, I wouldn't say is something to, they're both unsolved and they don't know. Yeah. I, I I think neither team can honestly say going into this season, um, they can say it if they want that they're confident in their goaltending situation. Uh, but I don't think anything's solidified. I think they're going off Well, Saskatchewan's going off. Okay. If we can play a good enough team defense and allow bouquet to see the shots that we, we need him to see. And if he can kind of find, um, you know, his form that we saw at the start of last year, I think they're going to be okay with that. And on the flip side, Vancouver, yeah, they they probably wanted Aiden Walsh to eventually be the number one, but I think they were hoping that Bouquet would be the guy to start the season and maybe go with a 1A, 1B type of situation until someone won that role. I don't know if they're as confident going with, say, Fryer and Walsh now. Yeah. That's... It is, that's a it big loss for Vancouver, man. Yeah, and 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 I think this is going to be something like, you know, as the old adage goes, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. And yeah. say what you will about Alexis Bouquet. Um, he is up and down, but when he's up, uh, you know, he he was on his game at the start of, of last year, and he tailed off, but uh, what he was able to do this summer, um, winning a Prezi's, uh, I think everything was kind of trending in the right direction that, you know, he could find lightning in a bottle and get back to form what we saw in that first half of it last year. And maybe he could put a full season together. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. That's uh, man. I, I just have no idea what Vancouver does now. Like someone's going to have to have an absolutely stellar camp and, and just see their game, take it to another level because I had heard rumors that they weren't going to bring Fryer back because they were going to have Aiden Walsh, and bouquet that's what i and that's 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 what i heard and that's what i was led to believe and again this this is just goes to show you and i know i said in saskatchewan in years past they've they've had they've had great goaltending don't get me wrong but they've also had seasons where you know aaron bold or even evan kirk you know their save percentages weren't as you know as high as some of the other goalies in the league but they got it done and that defense dictated where the shots went 
Well, Saskatchewan's defense, I think, is still super legit, but they're not the you know the the black hole that they were two three years ago. They're a lot younger. Um, there's a lot of potential there, but I just don't know if they're that absolute bona fide wagon that we've seen in previous years to allow this. I don't know. I, this is really interesting to me. Yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting how it all plays out. Something tells me there's got to be more to this somewhere. Um, but we shall wait and see. So uh, back to the draft. Um, <laughs> Dobson 11, Bobo Hunter at 12, which kind of raised a lot of eyebrows, but um, Kurt wanted to make sure that he drafted his his son and his son's going to be probably a project a couple years down the road once guys like Banesh and Cody Jamison uh, move on either from the team or from the league as a whole. Uh, but Buffalo started to get involved in the draft and they take two beach boys and Cam Wires and Dylan Robinson and the one thing that John Tavares told me before the draft, and we heard from a lot of people in that camp, was that after the championship game, they noticed the need, and it was they needed size and grit on the back end. And Wires is definitely that. And Robinson can play a very ornery type game. Well, Wires is big. He's strong. He's a guy that has acquired some sandpaper to his game. He wasn't always that rough and tumble defender, but he realized, you know, once he grew into his frame, he realized he could really push guys around. Robinson, very intriguing prospect. This was his first full box lacrosse season since midget. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a guy that was chasing the OHL dream um, and just this year decided, you know what, I'm done with hockey. I'm going to put my eggs into the lacrosse basket. And boy, good thing he did because <laughs> drafted 14th overall by the Buffalo Bandits, where his two older brothers play. He is a guy that has such a high, high ceiling. And you want to talk about grit, toughness, um, you know, pricks guys that you don't like playing against well that's exactly what dylan robinson brings to the table uh owen down is a monster of a young man colorado picked him at 15 i didn't really i don't know maybe i didn't pay enough attention to him a couple years ago with the beach but he is a very tall man completely fits that mold of what colorado has out their back end vegas gets jake saunders uh from brooklyn albany grabs ty kurtz rochester uh, drafts Austin Hazen. They traded up for that pick so that they could get it. And then immediately after they made that pick, <laughs> Mike and Austin hopped in a car and drove up to Peterborough. <laughs> I think obviously we knew that, you know, they wanted to get uh, Austin Hazen, uh, the the connections there, but also he's a, he's a guy that plays the style of game that Rochester is looking for. He's going to look really nice beside another big body, on the right side with Ryan Smith. But I also think they maybe traded up earlier because yeah, they did have to hit the road and they wanted to get it done and over with, but no, in all seriousness, I don't think Hazen was going to be there for a while. And the only way, like there's no freaking chance. Uh, Hazen was sticking around until the second round, that 25th pick overall. He's just way too good of a player. He, he's producing at the man cup right now. Um, so there was no chance. So that's why they went up and got him. And and for good reason, because, again, we're seeing what he's doing at the highest senior A Canadian level right now. Um, and it's impressive. Like he is he's I, I don't know if he's ever going to be a legitimate number one righty, 
but he is going to be one hell of a number two or even a number three. And it's the stuff away from the ball that really impresses me while he's playing for Peterborough right now with so many stars around him. He's actually had to learn how to be that guy uh, because obviously he, he was always a number one playing for Brampton in junior or down at Belmont Abbey as a attackman. Um, he's the guy that needed the rock in his stick. Whereas now he is completely rounded out his game and it's only going to help him going forward. It's funny. You talk about uh, the left-handers for Rochester. Um, you add McConvey, Charlie Bertrand, Holden Gatoni, Riley Curtis, Connor Fields, Evan Turner Evans, but they're righties now, Patty. Hogarth, Curtis Knight, Ryan Smith, Austin Hazen. Mike Burke's still there. They picked up Jake McNabb. If they can get some goaltending, whether it's from Ryland Hartley or Riley Hutchcraft or if Evan Kirk decides to come back, Dan Carey's starting to build something in Rochester. And he's got a gritty, mean, young defense with some solid veterans in there. They're going to turn some heads if they can put it all together. You nailed it. I think the goaltending situation is something that um, is of concern. But, of course, if if Hartley is healthy, which we are led to believe he is, um, mm-hmm. obviously he had some scary moments last year with concussion. But if he's healthy coming into this year, you have him, you have uh, Hutchcraft as the backup and I think that you just, you nailed, like, I think Burke will be here this year. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be the placeholder until we see Hazen. Um, but what we're seeing from Hogarth, man, uh, in MSL right now, or yeah. sorry, in the Man Cup, like, if he can translate that um, to the NLL, like, boy, I think, like, we've seen, don't get me wrong, we've seen some great play from Hogarth, but like he is on another level right now, like superstar level playing with the Lakers. I'm excited to see him and Smith next year uh, with a healthy Hogarth, like that two man game. um, That would be scary. But yeah, I I agree. I I would have liked them maybe to see them draft a a little more uh, defense. They went heavy offense. I think I would have liked to, but that, I think that just, kind of goes to show you the vote of confidence um, that Carey has in this defense with Dawson and Coates, Reese. They pick up uh, Brad Gillies in free agency. Um, Chris Willman, I think, has been a steady, steady surprise. Um, Not surprise, sorry, a steady uh, stalwart back there. Mitch Ogilvie has been a nice surprise. He's really Thomas Whitty in the second year. Thomas Whitty. Tyler Biles and Tyler Halls, both tough guys. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a defense that's really going to come into to its own. And you mentioned it's young, but we talked about some of those older veterans on the team. I think it's a nice blend. And if I think the big question mark is, um, you know, is if Hartley can stay healthy yes. and if he can go back to what we saw before he was hurt, then, yeah, this is a team that could potentially compete for a playoff spot. Uh, Zach Belter at 19 to Buffalo was maybe the biggest surprise of the first round. I don't think anybody had him really anywhere close. But, again, it sticks with the plan of getting bigger, getting meaner. And the Niagara Junior B product out of St. Bonnie's uh, obviously impressed them enough for them to take him at 19 overall. Uh, You had to scramble on your computer to find – where he was and who we were talking about, but that's just kind of how these things work. Uh, Colton Lidstone to Panther City, 
Jake Govett, the third son to be drafted by his father's team. And then Taggart Clark, another son, but not to his father's team, rounds out the top 23 to Philadelphia. Um, we talked kind of a bit about on the broadcast about hubs and where a lot of these kids are coming from. You know, it's the Peterboroughs, the Whippies, the Six Nations, Coquitlam and Victoria. And we're starting to see more hubs branch out, um, whether it's through the Alberta RMLL, whether we're getting to see more Americans or certain colleges. But the Beaches had a day in that first round. Six first-rounders. Uh, 27% of the first round was represented from the Toronto Beaches. As we mentioned, uh, Owen Grant, Cam Wires, Dylan Robinson, um, Owen Down, Brady Kiernan, Tiger Clark, and then rounding out the draft uh, in the fourth round, their captain from last season, Matt Duncan. Yeah. Uh, what this team has been able to do or this franchise has been able to do over the last two years um, and even let's just say the last month, what they've been, been able to do, you know, going on to a, a Minto Cup, having seven players drafted, six in the first round. Uh, this is just a testament to show the growth of this organization. This was a doormat of an organization of, you know, just a few years ago. Um, and kudos to obviously their current coaching staff and uh, the management and the ownership there. Uh, what, what they're building, what Riley O'Connor and the staff is building is impressive, but I want to give a little bit of praise to, to Clem Durazio because he's the guy that kind of set the foundation here. Um, you know, of those seven guys he coached and he, recruited and drafted some of these guys the only ones he didn't coach or the only one was was dylan robinson um all the others are, are guys um and they're not all true born and raised beaches guys like yeah. grant is from newmarket uh wires is from uh ottawa uh kernan's from curtis like he's a whitby product terry clark's from stoville um so he had to go out and draft some of these guys uh, he had to go out and find these guys and he wasn't there for the Minto cup run. Um, but his fingerprints were, were all over this organization. And I, I know if you talk to Riley O'Connor, he would say the same, but it just goes to show you the, the game, especially these other franchise, like Oakville, for example, Oakville is a team. That's a brand new junior team. I don't have the number in front of me, but they had a ton of kids drafted this year as well. Um, just there isn't these, it's not just Orangeville and yeah. these other programs and Coquitlam. And there is players that are being drafted from all over the place. And it even goes into college. You mentioned that on the broadcast. It is true because it's not just the Maryland's, the UVA's, the Syracuse's that are producing. St. Bonnie's had an unreal day, yeah. obviously with Dobson, but um, Belter is a, is a Bonnie's guy. And uh, we would have probably put a lot of money on either Jake Govett or Chris Fake being the first American off the board. But Zach Belter was that technically the first American off the board. And But it was also great to see Jake Govett, um, maybe one of the highest drafted um, U.S. Boxla uh, NCBS products ever. Um, a great story. He's going to be incredible to watch. 
uh, once he gets involved with that organization. Um, obviously, you have to give shout out uh, to all the junior Shamrocks that were drafted. Uh, Austin Adronic, the former junior Shamrock, Griffin Hall, Cam Lum, Brian Robb. Um, just incredible to see so many young guys who worked their tail off to get to where they are. And you've known a lot of the kids that have gone through the Iron Heads and Beaches program and all of us that are behind the scenes to see our kids that we've worked with since they were young finally get this moment. Um, it was a real, real special night. So congratulations to everybody. If you want to see a full rundown of all six rounds, 104 picks, just go to NLL.com and all of the selections are there. But it was an incredible night, and everybody enjoyed themselves. Uh, very well put on. I think a lot of people would have uh, – what we heard, um, the people in attendance would have loved to have been here hearing our analysis. Um, so that's obviously something that will hopefully get worked on for others. But overall, an incredible night, and we'll put on. And I thought Brett Froude handled himself in his first ever draft quite well. He got a couple tough names, but he put them out. And uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful night. But it was also great to kind of just catch up and chat with him um, first time in person, but so many other people that uh, are involved in the NLL. Just uh, a great night to, to kind of catch up after we've all been away from each other. Yeah, you know what? It it was special to see everyone in person, and you and I. You said it before the broadcast. It was so funny, um, and I was hoping we were going to be able to bring it on uh, up, but it, the draft just went so quickly. I mm-hmm. thought I was saving it for a timeout, but we didn't. We didn't have a timeout. No, there weren't. Um, but you couldn't decipher between guys just catching up because they haven't seen each other in a long time yeah talking old stories or if they were working on deals and there's a few times where we were looking oh, okay no i think they're just talking job and then yeah. there's other times we're like oh i think there's a deal possibly yeah like there's jimmy veltman and glenn clark are they talking about old school toronto rock days or are they trying to make a move <laughs> exactly but no in all honesty it was great to see everyone um and this kind of well, I guess for the NLL, um, mm-hmm. this kind of goes into a little bit of a lull period here, um, but not so fast because we, yeah. <laughs> as we were recording this, we hear of a massive, massive signing. So it is going to be a little bit quiet leading up to camp, uh, but there's still obviously a lot of big names out there that uh, we don't know where they're going to play if and you know we're hearing rumblings that there could be some some retirements possibly coming down in in the next little while as well so um yes keep your notifications on make sure you subscribe to the podcast because there's a chance although we're going on a little hiatus if big news drops, we might have to hop back in the yeah. saddle. Emergency press pod. conference, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of those guys we still don't know where he's going to end up is Sean Evans. But we do know currently he's in Peterborough, and he is now the all-time point getter in Man Cup history, surpassing the legend John Tavares last night. He now has 207 points, I believe, all-time, or is it 209? Uh, it was 204. 204 was the record. I don't know, record, how, many, I don't know how many points after that. So I'm not, I think he's at 207, regardless. Um, what an incredible feat. Like when you think of the way Sean Evans plays, and we talk about this anytime we talk about the records and where Sean Evans is on the list of all time players. 
the fact that he has spent, let's say, a quarter or like 15% of his career in the penalty box <laughs> and to still be the all-time point getter in the Man Cup and to be top five or whatever he is in the NLL right now uh, is just remarkable. But he is has to be top three fiercest competitors all time in the NLL. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And and I think you have no choice but to start considering him for your, you know, your top 10. And if he was already in your top 10, you got to consider him for your top five. And if he was in your top five, maybe he's going to start, you know, sneaking into your Mount Rushmore or your top three. Like I know it's very difficult with eras and um, comparing NLL numbers and, and summer numbers. Well, here's the thing. Every single level this guy has played, he's won. He's put up big numbers. He's been fierce. He's played the game like not many others we've ever seen with an edge, with sandpaper, a guy you hate to play against, but a guy you absolutely love having on your team. Um, He's a special player. And I don't know if we'll ever see another Sean Evans, to be quite honest. It takes a special breed to be that way, especially since, you know, fighting is kind of waning out of professional sports. You just won't see a guy put up five and four, run a goalie, fight a guy, <laughs> and still be like MVP of the whole tournament. Like while while standing at like five eight, yeah, under two hundred pounds, man. Like yeah. that is not we that that cannot go understated even more. Like yeah. the guy, he is appointment television every time he's playing for Peterborough. Like it, it seems like he does, you know, when it's the man cup. And I, I mean, it goes to show you, no one has ever scored more points than him in a man mm-hmm. cup, but it just seems like in the man cup, he takes it to the next level. And that's where I'm really curious to see where he ends up. I think there was some conversation after last year saying, well, does he have enough left in the tank? Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, this is the end of, Sean Evans. Well, he's proven here that he's got a lot more gas left. He's got a lot more to give. I don't know where he ends up. I really don't. But if he ends up on a championship team as a fringe guy, I just feel like he's got one more run left in him in the NLL. Like, I feel like he's a guy that he could go off and have a big playoff run. Like that's just the type of competitor that he is. I just don't know where he's going to end up realistically. That, that's the biggest question. Because he's obviously showing that he can still compete. And, you know, you talk about him being 5'8". Just watch him fight for loose balls and how many he comes up with us and how many second opportunities he gets his teams and how composed he is. Like, he is the consummate grit grinder that you would love to have. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of think he would fit great in a Philadelphia offense. But I just don't know if he fits that dynamic of that team. It's really, you know, when you think about it, you got, you think of logistics, a guy who's laid on in his career, has a family, has a job, probably doesn't want to do a lot of traveling. So you would think, and I think we've said this before on this show that he wants to kind of stay in the hub, you know, the, the Toronto Buffalo, Rochester, Albany, Philly ish. Cause those are all fairly close, but I just don't know which of those teams would take him or want him. I'm sure they could all use him, but 
does he fit into what you're trying to do? It would just seem really weird to me. But maybe this was his swan song, right? He plays in one final man cup, wins it at home, breaks the record, sets the record, puts it beyond where probably anybody will ever get to. And then just says, you know what? That's it. I'm done. That's, I mean, that is definitely a possibility. Uh, just based off how well he's played and the competitor that that he is, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to be okay going out on top like this. I feel like he's going to want more, but you never know. You never know. It's something that we're going to obviously pay a, a, a ton of attention to once the Man Cup is done. And we know that, you know, it could be as d- done as early as as Friday tomorrow night. as we're recording this, Friday night. At latest, Saturday, you probably give him a grace period of, of you know, having fun in Peterborough for seven days and then maybe him and his agent get to to talking some contract or maybe this is it. Yeah. Teddy, maybe maybe you're right. I've never really thought of it that way. But I, I hadn't either until I just was going on that little tangent. And it just kind of seemed very fitting, though, right? Because he didn't play a lot during the regular season, right? No, he I mean, like, back for, the fir- for the first time in his career, he was a healthy scratch like, yeah. in Halifax. No, I mean, yeah, never yeah but I'm talking, like, with Peterborough. Oh, and Peterborough, he, yeah, well, he had, it was a weird season for him. He had some coaching commitments. So right. He was yeah. He out. was overseas. He was at the E-box and all that stuff. He, was he wasn't a full timer. So I just, I just kind of, I, as like I said, as I was talking about, just talking, it wasn't all the, the whole year with the team. He pops up right near the end of the regular season, starts heating up in playoffs and just goes on this incredible run and has sparked a team that was down 0-2 to win three straight and they're on the brink of a reverse sweep. They're four straight man cup. Uh, what Jumbo say has been since 54, 55 that a team did that. And that team was Peterborough. Um, it just seems super fitting. And I think it would be an incredible way for him to go. Out. And yes, the competitor in him would love to keep going, but I would say that if by times camp open up, he doesn't get a call. Maybe he just kind of announces his retirement. Or maybe he kind of waits and just sees. And if he doesn't get a call once the deadline happens late in the season, then he calls it. But I don't know. It's all on him. But obviously, he has bigger things to worry about, and that is the Man Cup. Like I said, Peterborough lost the first two. Langley looked like they had control. Obviously, game two was a wacky, wild scenario of events. Um, But in typical Peterborough fashion, they didn't let it phase them. They kind of reevaluated after the day off and they've looked in complete control of the last three games. They've looked like they found a little bit of a book on Frankie. Um, they're winning most of the possessions off the draw. Thanks to Jay Thornbear. Um, they're not letting anybody other than Dixon and Doby beat them. Connor Robinson's been silent. Chase Scanlon's been quiet. Uh, Robert church pots in a few here and there, and he's kind of weapon number three, but They've got, what, four or five junior call-ups in their lineup. Um, they're they're switching guys in and out, trying to find the right rotation. They can't get it. They're getting caught up in so many extracurricular mind games that don't matter. They've just kind of lost the plot. And unfortunately, I think the writing is on the wall. They do get the day off, which is today on Thursday. And, and I'll guarantee they come up with all the fire they can on Friday night. But... It's going to be tough to beat 
Peterborough two games to win it all. Like they got to win the final two. And I know they did it already, but the final two are the hardest two. The the thing is, it seemed like that massive, crazy game. After that, this the the, the series kind of went the other way for Langley, and I don't mm-hmm. know if that's it was a uh, waking up for Peterborough, or if that was you know maybe they would have rather played Game Three and not had that day off, but. Yeah. I will say right now this day off couldn't come at a better time for Langley. Their offense looks tired. Connor Robinson hasn't been the same player that we saw in the first couple of games. Like he has taken a ton of licks. Like they are hitting him hard and often. Um, I thought Frank Chiliano played much better last night, but I thought in game three and definitely in game four wasn't his, his best effort, but he bounced back big time. Mm -hmm. Like he looked real good um, last night. Uh, the defense, you can tell that Pierre Bro's figuring things out. They are targeting some of those younger guys. They are capitalizing on every single time Langley takes a penalty, whether you think it should be a penalty or not. Peter Bro's just capitalizing. You just can't yeah. take penalties uh, against that power play. They will just make it make you pay. There's too many weapons. And the defense, everyone came into this series saying, you know, the real X factor here is Langley's got a young, experienced defense. But everyone who watched them all year long said, this defense is legit. They might be young, but they're solid. Well, I don't want to say that the defense isn't playing well because they have showed that they have. But it just, I feel like, Right now, Peter Bros overwhelming them. Their offense yeah. is overwhelming them. Mark Matthews is is heating up. Joe Rez is back in the lineup, shooting the lights out. Sean Evans is is playing at another level. Like, and then the Italians. And the, the give the ball to the Italians. Tony Italians holding especially just having a field day. And yeah, like they're, they're, you're seeing the depth of Peterborough and you're seeing their size on defense all just kind of start to wear down this Langley team. Langley is an incredible team. They just don't have the weapons. They don't have the size. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the depth to keep up with the Peterborough Lakers. And it's just, it's very apparent at times during those games and said the day off couldn't come at a better time. And it will give everybody a chance to rest. Game six goes Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern from Peterborough. You can watch it live on YouTube on the major series page. Uh, Steven Stamp, Joe Sullivan will have the call. Uh, Our parlay still lives. We got some hope. The whips are out. It's still a chance to cash. And we got some more from you uh, as Kubek continues to bring the odds. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty, uh, our last Box Bets officially. Um, we're going big. Uh, we're going to throw a few things at them. Uh, but as mentioned, the future parlay still lives. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we gave you 
uh, the Thunder to win it all, and anybody but the Whip Snakes to win the PLL title. Uh, the Whips are out thanks to the Dogs, uh, and that still lives at plus 330. But this week, we're going to give uh, two different ones, one a Langley-focused one and one a Burrow-focused one. Well, let's start with the Langley one because, again, if you didn't get on the, you know, anyone but the Whips, Langley to win, this is your opportunity to, to get on it uh, once again. So, and the next parlay, if you're cheering for Langley, you're going to want nothing to do with it. Let's just <laughs> leave it that. So, we are giving you this right now at Cool Bet. So Langley to force a game seven, win game six. Doesn't matter. Spread is not it. It's money line. Langley money line. Dane Doby over four and a half points. Curtis Dixon over two and a half points. And you are getting that at Coolbet exclusively at plus 500. So it's the comeback season parlay. Langley to win, force a game seven. Doby over four and a half points. Dixon over two and a half points, plus 500 only at Cool Bet Canada. So you're thinking, okay, don't worry, Peter, bro. We haven't forgot about you guys. We know you are just one win away from winning four straight man cups. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Mm Maybe you want in on, on, on them to win the Man Cup. Well, right now, if you were to bet them to win one game over the next two games, you're only getting at, at minus 476. So Oof. not much value there. No. Right? Not much value there at all. If you bet them to win game seven, or sorry, game six, and end it, Minus 143. So not bad odds. Not bad. But we figure, you know what? There's two lads who probably should be playing for Peterborough tonight. Like when I think of the Peterborough Lakers, I think of Jake Withers and I think of Zach Courier. Oh, but wait, they're they're not here. Where are they? With the water dogs who are also playing for a championship. So here's what we're going to do. Exclusively, of course, at Cool Bet Canada. Water Dogs to win the PLL Championship. Lakers to win the Man Cup. The Peterborough City of Champions Parlay. We'll give that exclusively once again at Cool Bet at plus 165. Love that. Love that. Lakers, all you got to do is win over the next two games. Water Dogs, Courier, Withers. All you got to do is win on Sunday and the Peterborough City of Champions parlay will cash at plus 165. You'll only find that at Cool Bet. Nowhere else. And don't forget, if you are a first-time signer, use the promo code OTCB. We'll hook you up with doubling your money up to 100 bucks, and play along. And, of course, Teddy, as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, so as he mentioned, the Dogs and the Oss are playing for the PLL title. The first time in PLL history, the Whip Snakes haven't been a part of it. Um, I'm kind of torn here, though, Pat. I don't know who to cheer for. Because I think many of us are on Team Chaos because of A, Andy Towers, B, 
Blaze, three, the insane amount of Canadians on that team. So I love the Oz. However, my old college coach, Chris Ryan, is the D coach for the Water Dogs. And I don't know who to cheer for. I think I've got to throw my hat to the dogs. You know what, uh, Teddy? This this is the thing. Like, I I honestly I think I it would be nice. You know, we've seen chaos win win a title. We've seen them in this situation before. Um, a lot of NLLers on the chaos, and a lot of Canadians, and and but you look across the field, the ton of box across players, mm-hmm. ton of NLLers, mm-hmm. Canadians and Americans True. on the Water Dogs. True. So. I don't know. This is one that I think I might just bet the over and yeah. enjoy watching the game, cheer for some goals. But at the same time, I don't know how much I like the under or sorry, the over when you've got Blaze and Dylan Ward. So maybe I go under, but that's boring. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not going to give out any official plays. I will be giving out some of my plays on Twitter. So keep your eyes peeled to, to my Twitter. And then of course our, twitter as well for the podcast we'll, we'll we'll remind you about our specials but i think i might give out an official play i'll be betting the board when it comes to the nfl so why the heck not i'll, I'll sprinkle some pll picks in there as well do uh does dylan ward have the number of the bandits guys so he's maybe in their head that's that's what i was thinking like i, I was thinking that like you know like Dylan Ward just comes out in his mammoth jersey, just <laughs> could you imagine that? Guys? Could you imagine that? I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be a great game. It, it really is. is. I think I think you've got a team like the Chaos that just plays better in the playoffs. They, uh, you know, th- they're such a fun team to follow to watch. Andy Towers, you already mentioned. But then you got the Water Dogs, a team that kind of since like maybe the halfway point, you could make a strong case that they've been one of the most consistent teams yeah. and that they're fine. They finally found the consistency that we've kind of been waiting for for the last, you know, last year. You thought, OK, like second year in the league, um, they're not an expansion team anymore. Like they can figure things out. But hey, I don't know, man, like. I, I, I'll be I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> Whoever wins, like, thank God it's just not the Whip Snakes again. Honestly, right? I, I and think no, everyone's kind of happy they're not in the finals. And there's a lot of likable characters on that team. Absolutely. And what Coach Staggs has been able to do with that team is quite impressive. But we need to see a different champion. Yeah. So maybe it's the Water Dogs. Maybe Chaos win two in a row. Who cares? It's not the whips. The line from Coach Towers was one more trip to the grocery store. And the line from Coach Copeland was you don't beat the whips and then not win it all. So we'll see who gets it done in the PLL championship. Is, uh, is it on TSN? It's got to be on TSN Sunday, right? Or no, I think it's actually I think it's actually on ABC. I think it's on oh, the big one. Like so big I think time you can just watch it on big huh. time. I'm pretty sure it's on ABC Three o'clock Eastern, um, obviously smack dab right in the Sunday in the middle, slate. Yeah. But again, this is why we have multiple screens. This is yeah, why sure. um, it's the best. So, multiple devices are key. Exactly. Um, so congrats to everyone that got drafted in the NLL draft. Again, go to NLL.com for full draft results. 
Uh, shout out to the Ladner Pioneers on winning the President's Cup. We didn't have a show last week to really dive into that, but things happen. Um, but congratulations to them. Good luck to the Lakers and Thunder on Friday and maybe Saturday. Good luck to the Oss and Dogs on Sunday. And that kind of wraps us up. As Patty mentioned, if anything really breaking happens over the next few weeks, we'll hop on and give an emergency conference call. But for the most part, we're going to uh, rest our voices, work on our golf game, and uh, get ramped up for NLL season. Uh, We should see a schedule in the next few days, so keep your eye out for that. And then in no time, it'll be draft time. No, in no time, it'll be camp time. Can't imagine. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at PGreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or find us on the Instas at OTCB. Patty, I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your golf game today and everybody else. uh, If you can get to the borough or if you can get to the PLL, take a friend with you because lacrosse is better with friends and nothing better than a cold beer while watching lacrosse. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.